Will, could you help me bring this podium down? Yeah, yeah. I can't lift that, so Will can. Well, I'm excited to share this morning. I feel like the Lord has definitely confirmed. Um, oh, thank you. I couldn't get that either, so you... Um, yeah, I'm excited to share this morning. If you don't know me, I'm Brandon. I'm one of the elders here, and so I'm good to have you guys with us. Um, you guys were the ones who stayed in Lakeland in faith, right? Right? Um, and then also, I wanted to just reiterate, so Neil from Iraq, we are looking to, to schedule him next week sometime. We were thinking Monday, but he won't be here Monday, so maybe we're going to shoot for Tuesday, and so I'm just communicating with him, so we'll... We'll be sure to post on social media. I, I definitely want to try to get him in here. So uh, just follow us on social, social media for that. <clears throat> and as I mentioned earlier, I got a, the message from Jeremiah about the dream he had, uh, what today is in the Hebrew calendar. And for me, it really just confirmed, really encouraged me that the Lord was speaking to me about the message I'm going to share today. Um, before I even begin to share, just want to uh, even just open up and be vulnerable about some of the struggle and wrestle I've been in uh, since stepping into eldership, maybe the past four months or so. And, uh, you know, sometimes we can get caught up into all the titles and those things. I'm an elder, or you can get into the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. You get caught up in those things. And the Lord has just been faithfully reminding me that my only job is to display sonship because in the body of Christ when you have leaders who are behind the pulpit and they carry the title of an elder or apostle or prophet whatever most people can't connect to that it's like oh that's great for you you're anointed you're appointed but me <laughs> that's not my calling but the, the one calling we all do share that we all do have is sonship. And so that's the primary role as leaders in the body is that we are called to display sonship to you because it is attainable. There's grace. There's plenty of grace for that. And so today, as I'm sharing, I just want to display sonship. I'm not angry. I'm not mad. I don't think the Father's angry. I don't think he's mad at us. But he is in the business of conforming us into the likeness of his son Jesus. So I'm getting some amens now. That's good. I appreciate it. The title of my message today is Discipline the Mark of Authentic Sonship. Discipline the Mark of Authentic Sonship. Can I get an amen? Let's go to Job 5. We're going to read a couple verses here. Just want to help us maybe get going. Uh, personally, I believe in discipline. I discipline my child, and I have a four-month-old, so he's not ready for it yet. But, you know, he will be disciplined in the days to come. I know that uh, maybe many of us, have, we have very varying experiences with discipline. I think... 
Some of you may say, I grew up in a home where anytime I did if anything wrong, my father was ready to discipline me. My mom was ready to yell at me. So some of you, when I say the word discipline, doesn't stir up good feelings. There may be some of us in the room who have never been disciplined. You may have gotten trouble in a time or two, but more times than not, discipline is maybe kind of out there. You don't really know what it is or what it's like. I think some of us may be sitting in the chair thinking about discipline and how it can be confusing. You know, my parents would just discipline me for whatever reason. Nothing was clear. Nothing was communicated. And so I know talking about this, there are different experiences in the room. And my heart is, uh, I do want to be mindful of those things. I'm not here to just beat you up and say, get over it. Um, I don't believe the Father is that way towards us. But I am here as an example of the Father's discipline, even in my own very life. Let's look at Job 5, verse 17 and 18. Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore, do not despise the chastening of the Almighty or the discipline of the Almighty. For he bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands make whole. Let's read again. Job 5, verse 17. Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore, do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. For he bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands make whole. Jump over to Proverbs 11, chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 11. My son, do not despise the chastening or the discipline of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord nor detest his correction. For whom, the, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Father, we come before you this morning in the name of Jesus. And God, we open up our hearts to you. Lord, we open up our hearts for your correction and your discipline in our lives. God, we open up our hearts that you would bring healing and restoration and strength. God, we're opening up our hearts to you that you would come and remove sin from our lives. That you would truly conform us into the image of your son, Jesus. And Father, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would help me. Help me to speak and declare the truth about who you are and what your word says. God, we want truth in the inward parts. God, you desire truth in the inward parts. So come and do that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we all have our experience with uh, discipline. You know, for me growing up, um, I was predominantly raised by the black side of my family. 
And uh, I remember one time I went to my grandma and was like, you would call her Mama. I said, Mama, you're my friend. She's like, nuh uh. It's like, I'm your grandmother. And I remember she said that and it kind of, it, it checked me for sure. I was like, what? And what's, what's funny is just maybe this past week, Josie's been doing the same thing to me. Daddy, Daddy, you're my friend. And I'm kind of like, and I thought about it. And I was talking with Allison about it and uh, it's like, Josie, you know, Daddy's not your friend. I'm your parent. I'm your dad. Some of you may disagree with that, and that's okay. But here's what, when I had that encounter with my grandma, here's what it did in me when I said, you're my friend. She was teaching me that I don't treat authority the same way I treat my friends. My common buddy who I joke with, you know, I'll beat up on, you know, just kind of hang out with, that's cool and that's good. But then there's a different place of authority that you don't do that with. And it checked me of that, okay, so there's some type of pecking order here, that grandma is not my friend. I know, and I knew she loved me. I, it wasn't like, oh, you hate me, you don't love me. I knew she loved me. I mean, she picked us up from school. I mean, she did everything for us. But she set me straight in saying, hey, I'm not your friend, I'm your grandmother. And, you know, my dad helped raise me too, predominantly, he wasn't overly, an overly disciplinary kind of father. I knew that he loved me. Um, definitely had some times where he disciplined me, and I remember that, and it did mark me physically sometimes. There were, you know, some, some scars on me or whatever, uh, welts. But it, it did teach me something, that there is honor and there is respect, and that discipline uh, really is a good thing. I know that it can be abused in a lot of situations. But the Father does discipline us. And we're going to get into Hebrews 12. If you want to open up in that direction, you can. You know, my interaction today with the culture, I coached uh, basketball at McKeel for several years. I was a substitute teacher for a good amount of time also. And my interaction with the culture today is that most of them do not believe in discipline when I would discipline or when I would bring correction, most of them, their disposition was, who are you and why are you trying to uh, quench me? Why are you trying to suck the life out of me? Why are you getting in my way? There was some type of word they phrase they used uh, back then. I don't know what it was, but in other words, you're saying, like, who are you to cross the line? Size me? Yeah. Why are you trying to size me? That whole, you might know what that means. Maybe a couple of us. But in other words, they had this idea that discipline, all it does, it just quenches your life. Sucks the life out of you, means you won't be anything in your life. They're just, whoever disciplines you, they're right in the way, and they need to be moved. So you talk about words, words like father, words like authority, words like discipline, usually don't set well with a lot of people. But in my experience and in my encounter with the Lord through the years, uh, he has surely uh, shown me the right way in how he disciplines us and that he is a good father. He is the perfect father. He doesn't fly off the handles. He's not vague. He cares. He, cons- he is concerned for our well-being. And so my goal today 
is to help us to be mature sons and daughters who embrace the Father's discipline. Jeremiah had a dream last night. You look at the Hebrew calendar today, and even for this month, what he believes the Lord is saying is that this would be the month of self-evaluation, examination. Well, if you believe that, then you also have to believe he will come and bring correction and discipline to you. Can't just pick one or the other. And let me tell you, this is his mercy. I've preached on the mercy of God the past two times I've been up here. So you can't say, Brandon, you don't like me. You're mean. The Lord was setting me up so that you guys would, would be okay with me. Let's look at Hebrews 12. Encourage you to bring your Bibles, bring a journal, bring your notes. Just a side note, I think it's great to take notes in the church. That's okay to do that. I still take notes. No one's arrived. Hebrews 12, verses 3 through 13. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. And, you, and have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them great respect. Or sorry, we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days disciplined us as seemed best to them, but he, God our Father, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no discipline seems to be joyful for the present, but is painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down in the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed." Bob Sorge calls this passage the forgotten doctrine in the church. John Piper talks about this passage is really difficult for us to swallow because we see here that God is in control. That the Father disciplines us because he's in control. And we don't like that. We want to say, no, I want to be in control. Discipline me on my terms. Let me tell you when it's okay to discipline me. And so this passage, there is a lot of, hopefully you feel tension concerning this. I know the first time I heard this preached to me years ago, I listened to the message and I went home and just started reading this because I had no grid for it. I knew the Father loved me. I knew he cared for me. I knew he had a plan for me. And I read this. 
and it seemed right and it seemed okay, but I had no real encounter or experience with his discipline in a real way. Go down to verse 8. We, I want to launch out from here. Verse 8, I think, is really important. I've been really looking at this verse. It says this, but if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. If you're looking for a reason to embrace Hebrews 12, maybe this will help you. What he is saying is if you are without discipline, then you are illegitimate. You are a stranger. I think the orphan spirit is found in this verse. I went on Google this week, and I asked Google about disciplining our children, and if that was good for our children or not. And here's what Google had to say. Anyone interested? I saw two primary statements come up right away. The first one, here's what Google says about disciplining. It says, discipline can abruptly but only temporarily stop unwanted behaviors because children are afraid of being hit. The research is clear that in the long term it doesn't work and actually makes children more aggressive. Another reason that parents continue to spank their children is to vent their own frustrations. Statement number two. Discipline teaches kids to be afraid of us, which is no basis for love. It teaches them to be sneaky so they won't be caught doing something wrong. It teaches kids that they are bad, so they are more likely to behave badly. It teaches kids to use violence when they want to solve a problem. Some of you may say, I don't really see much wrong with that. I agree, disagree, half and half. When reading and looking at these things, I found five points here that I just want to throw out there about the orphan spirit towards discipline. One, here's what the orphan spirit says to the father. This is what sometimes you and I will even say to the father. Father, your discipline doesn't work on me, and it only makes me angry. Father, you discipline me only to vent out your frustration on me. Father, you discipline me only because you hate me. Father, you discipline me only because you don't love me. In other words, the orphan spirit says, you better not discipline me because you don't know what's best for me. Throw Proverbs 5 up there. Proverbs 5, verses 12 and 13. Orphan Spirit says this. How I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors. And I was soon in serious trouble. In the assembly of God's people, go to verse 22 and 23. And here's what the Lord's response is. For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die, led astray by their own great folly. So in verse 8, It's really important. 
that we see that if we resist, if we reject it, if we run from it and we don't want it, we are stepping into being an illegitimate son or daughter. Here's what the passage translation, how it reads, verse 8. We all should welcome God's discipline as the validation of authentic sonship. For if we have never once endured his correction, it only proves we are strangers and not sons. And so I know in hearing this, there, there's resistance. I agree with verses uh, in verse uh, 10. It talks about how it's painful. Discipline is painful. I agree. It is painful. But we want to be sons and daughters who trust the Father more than we trust our own thoughts and opinions about ourselves. The Father, he sees things in us, good and bad, that we don't see. And he uses discipline and correction to help bring those things out. And so this morning, I want to talk about four realities we see in Hebrews 12. The first reality, if you're taking notes, is the Father's motive for disciplining us. His motive, his heart. The second thing, the ways the Father disciplines us. I think we need to know there's a way he goes about doing it. If we don't, we'll, we'll be confused, we'll misinterpret it. We'll think it's just the devil that's chasing us, and we'll miss out on the will of God. The third one, our response to the Father's discipline as sons and daughters. And the fourth one, the fruit of the Father's discipline in our lives. Now we read in verse 3 where it says, consider him. Let us be encouraged. Jesus, he learned obedience by the things he suffered. So he was disciplined. He endured hostility from sinners. That was the Father's discipline in his life. Isaiah 53, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. So you and I won't go through anything that Jesus himself has not gone through. You and I will not go through anything that Jesus himself has not gone through. His interaction with the Father... He experienced the Father in the fullness. He didn't miss anything. The Lord wants us in the same experience, in the same place. Jeremiah says this, that Jesus didn't carry his cross so we wouldn't have to. He carried his cross to show us how to. That's the same way with discipline. We're not getting disciplined and Jesus can't relate to us. No, he can relate. Yet he had no sin in his life. Let's look at verse 6. So the Father's heart, his motive for disciplining you and I. Verse 6, it says, For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and scourges every son whom he... Okay, we're not convinced yet. Verse 6, For whom the Lord... He disciplines and scourges every son whom he, the Father disciplines you and me because he loves you and me. He receives me. Okay, I want us to say this together. We're going to do a repeat after me. This will be good for you. Ready? My heavenly Father who loves me and receives me also disciplines me. Let's go again. 
My heavenly Father who loves me and receives me also disciplines me. How is that sitting? I remember my first, my very first revelation of the Father's discipline. He took me back to one of the, one of the times I was disciplined by my dad. I had smarted off to him. And what I said to him, I think, probably deserved to be spanked for. So I smarted off to him, and he left the room, and he came back in, and he gave me a spanking, and he left the room again. And so I sat on my bed, I cried, I was confused. At the time, I didn't realize what I said was crossing the boundary, but I was just confused. I was alone. It's like, okay, that was like just, you know, crying in bed, and so... Years later, I get saved, and I read this, you know, Hebrews 12, and I'm thinking, okay, so that's how the Father disciplines, you know. He, you do something wrong, he comes in, he gives you, you know, disciplines you, and he walks away, and you're just kind of confused, like, okay, um, was it this sin, that sin, or that sin? you got to kind of guess and wait till he cools off, and then you can approach him. Oh, Dad's in a good mood. But the Father showed me. He said, Brandon, whenever I discipline you, I discipline you from the place of embrace. I discipline you from the place of embrace. That he embraces us as he disciplines us. So when you think about the Father's correction in your life, he just doesn't correct and then just leaves you out to figure out life and stuff on your own. He actually is there with you. He's committed to you. He wants to see you through this. He disciplines from the place of embrace in your own life. He really does. I'm not making this stuff up. I don't know what your experience was with discipline and authority, but the way the Father does it, as sons and daughters, He embraces us. He receives us. He loves us. If we don't get this aspect of the father's discipline we will just run around orphan son orphan son we'll just teeter-totter on our feelings you know the orphan spirit in this generation it's all based off of feelings but he this is this is bible this is what the word says the bible says he does it because he loves us because he receives us proverbs 3 He delights in you and in me. I think for some of us, we need a revelation. I'm getting some looks of like, what, really? Yeah, really. One of the biblical definitions of discipline is this. So to, chase, to chasten is to discipline, to rebuke, correct, or guide. This word implies the training of a child. It implies correcting mistakes and curbing the passions in the soul of a child. It speaks of instruction which aims at the increase of virtue. This word does not have in it the idea of punishment, 
but its, but its purpose is to cr- use corrective measures to eliminate evil in the life and to encourage the good. So at the heart of the Father's discipline is redemption. The very core of his discipline in your life is he is looking to redeem you. At the core of punishment is inflicting pain. God as our Father is just not into inflicting pain just because. Your parents may have done that. Someone in authority may have done that. He's not into inflicting pain. He's into He's into releasing discipline for the purpose of redemption. He sees something in us that he's not okay with. So he's going to use whatever measure he has to to get it out. Look at verse 10. Another aspect of the Father's heart. For they, our earthly fathers, Indeed, for a few days, disciplined us as seemed best to them. But he, God our Father, for our profit. So he disciplines us for you and my, our profit. For our benefit, for our good, for our advantage. He He actually has you in mind. There's no anger. There's no no root of anger in, in divine judgment. He's looking to bring something out of you that's not good and instill something in you that would be good. You know, we love Psalm 23. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. His rod in our life is his correction. His staff is his protection. His rod over your life is his correction. His staff is his protection over your life. I've been, I've been stepping into this, and I'm seeing his discipline in my life is for my very own protection. I know we've been following the situation with Todd Bentley recently, and so you see a, a lot of the church's theology coming out. I believe personally that his correction, his discipline in my life is to protect me. I don't want to get to a place where I'm just out in la-la land, don't know what's going on. God will never do that. He just, he's, so, he's so infatuated with me, he could just never cross me. So his heart is that he is looking, he's looking out for our advantage. He actually cares about you. He actually cares about me. Another definition we see, biblical discipline, it is to prove, test, strengthen, and raise us up to a higher level of experience and usefulness. I mean, I can totally connect with this. I grew up playing sports. You listen to what the coach says, whether you've agreed with him or not. My team, I would, we, he'd put team one versus team two. I'm on team one, we beat, verse, we beat team two, and he'd make us run together with them. And I'm like, hold on, wait, wait, they lost, they should run. He would say, nope, you're going to run with them. And why did I submit to that? Because I trust him. I'm deferring to the coach that he knows what's better 
for me. Also, he knows what's best for us collectively. Maybe that's something we have to hold on to, is that he is into all of us going somewhere together. Maybe that's why he commands us to, he chooses mercy over judgment. He wants us all to come together. He wants us to be willing to show mercy towards one another so that they could still come along for the journey. So as sons and daughters, we must not associate the Father's discipline and correction with rejection, but rather associate his discipline with his love, care, and protection over our life. John the Beloved says this in John 3. He says, I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in the truth. That just wasn't John speaking. That was the Father speaking. He has no greater joy than to see you and me walking the narrow road. And when we get off that road, he's faithful. He's loving enough. He's caring enough to keep us under his protection. Number two, the way the Father disciplines us. In my experience, the Father, he has been faithful to communicate with me. He doesn't keep me in the hiding. I may not understand A to Z, but he communicates. I just want to throw that out there. The way he disciplines you, he will communicate with you. In my walk with the Lord here at Heart of the Father for the past nine years, the primary way the Father disciplined me was with his word. That is the primary way the Father wants to bring discipline into your life. That's the goal. Disciplining you to get my word in you so you would live uprightly, you would walk the narrow road. Here's, here's how I would describe it. Here at Heart of the Father, and I, I do believe a lot of you are experiencing this realm even now, but in my time at Heart of the Father, there has always been a spiritual atmosphere of freedom that releases us to grow. It gives us room to exercise gifts, to, uh, I made a little mistake here and there. It gives us room just to expand, maybe to, to jump out in faith and to grow and mature. But over the years, I look back and I see that it was his word that caused me to grow rightly. So the freedom of the spirit in my life, it allows you to grow. And then he brings the word so that you would grow uprightly. So you don't have to be over here. I'm just in the spirit, just kind of, you know, always flowing and just, you know, trying new things out. And over here, we're just so rigid, won't try anything, won't step out. We want both and. We want the movement of the Spirit, being flexible, being movable, and then here comes the Word to straighten us out. And, you know, to, I know there's a lot, you know, some of us probably been through inner healing Things like that, I think it's an awesome tool, an awesome resource. Um, I went through it 
years ago, and I realized as I first went through inner healing, I'm looking at some of the material, and I'm like, you know what? I realized I have been doing inner healing for quite some time now. You know what the secret was? The secret place. I would go home, get in my little closet, sit in my chair, get God's word, and I would say, Lord, I see this in me. What does your word say about it? And he would speak. I didn't have anyone there to lay hands on me. I didn't have anyone there to speak and just try to help me navigate. It was literally sitting down with him, and he will bring correction to you. He will help build a conviction in you. But it's, you got to go to the secret place. I'm telling you, that's, that's the way he wants to do it. He wants to take his word and you in the secret place and bring correction to your life. I think that's the primary way. That's not the only way. A couple other ways I'm just going to kind of brush past them. He uses relationships. Anybody married? Friends, our brothers and sisters, he uses those things. He uses church authority, church leaders. Does anyone believe in that anymore? He also uses life situations, trials, testings, temptations. He uses it all. Romans 8, he causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. He'll use whatever. Mick was asking me the other day, he's like, Brandon, do you think that by his discipline, say your AC breaks out, breaks at home. Is that the Father's discipline? And I told him, I was like, well, depending on your heart. <laughs> Some of us may need that to happen in order for the Lord to bring correction. I'm not saying every little thing that goes wrong, you got to be like, okay, God, you're disciplining me. Some of us just life. But this is where we got to go back to, he will communicate to you. He will be clear with you. So not every little thing that happens, you got to be like, okay, He's coming with the rod. No. He'll tell you. If you sit down with him, he'll tell you. That's something I've been trying to do with Josie is that, you know, she does something wrong. I want to get down on one knee, look her in the eyes, communicate, and go from there. That's what the Father does to you and me. He will communicate. He just doesn't fly off the handle, blindsided you, didn't see that coming. The very last option the Father will use to discipline us? You want to know? 1 Corinthians 5, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his soul might be saved. Now, I don't know all the dynamics of that, being delivered to Satan. I don't know, maybe one of the elders can talk about that. But if you're in that situation... That's not good. <laughs> just gonna, I'm just going to leave it there. I'm not going to say too much about that. But he will use it. He used it in 1 Corinthians 5. It's a Bible verse, okay? We're sticking to the Bible. The Father will use that. So the Father he went over his heart for us. We just looked at the way he goes about disciplining us. 
The third thing, our response to the Father's discipline. How do we respond to this? So we had just talked about the orphan spirit. What that thing does, let's look at verse 5. My son, do not despise the discipline of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. In other words, when he comes to bring discipline to your life, don't revert back to the orphan spirit. Lord, I'm just going to reject it. You don't know what's best for me. You can't try me. You can't size me like that. Rejecting it or woe is me. Oh, I'm just so discouraged. Oh, God, you just don't love me. Always, always hurting me. Trying to get sympathy from people, walking down with this downcast spirit, just, oh, the Father's so hard on me. That's, that's manipulation and control. Someone gave an example one time of <clears throat> there was a church leader who went to this church, said, hey, you have a strong uh, spirit of Jezebel in here. And the pastor, and he, here, he said, here's a couple of things to try to get that thing out. And so that leader comes back a couple years later and says, uh, that same spirit is here. And the pastor of the church says, well, we've, I mean, we've, we've corrected everyone who's been outspoken, who's really just any strong leaders. We've really sat them down. We've controlled this thing. And he said, well, pastor, let me, let me, let me give you an analogy. Someone has a dog, and they go outside and roll in the mud, and you have a white couch. And that dog comes in the house, jumps on your white couch, rolls all over it, and then you say, get off my couch. And the dog just looks at you and says, hmm, hmm. He says, that is manipulation. The dog needs to get off the couch. The dog is getting dirty, the couch. Get the dog off the couch. But the dog was literally using manipulation and control so that it wouldn't be disciplined. We do that with God. Oh, God. Oh, man. Life is so hard. Woe is me. I'm always hurting. No one looks after me. No one cares for me. No one asked me how I was doing today. Orphan. The orphan spirit just doesn't yell and scream and, and strong and, and bold. It'll sit in the corner by itself and cry. I mean, what does Josie do before she gets a spanking? She's already crying. But guess what? You're still getting the spanking. You can cry. You can kick and scream. I mean, whatever. She'll use whatever. But it's the discipline of the Lord that will drive that thing out of you. It will drive it out of you. The Lord's discipline will bring strength to your life. In verse 13, it talked about that. Or sorry, verse 12. Here's what Oswald Chamber says about discipline. He says, it is very easy to quench the spirit. We do it by despising the discipline of the Lord. I mean, I always thought about quenching the spirit in a service, in a meeting, or something like that. But he's talking, if you want to quench the the activity 
the, the movement of the Spirit in your own life, just go like this. No, God, you can't touch me. You can't discipline me. And the Lord will let you sit there. No fruit of the Spirit. No activity of the Spirit in your life until you come to him face to face and let him deal with you. Verse 7. Our response to the Father's discipline. Verse 7, it says this. It is for discipline that you endure. Our response to him is that we endure his discipline. Meaning we don't get to set the time frame. For how long he deals with us concerning a topic. I remember I was ready to go into the ministry. I'm like on fire for Jesus. We were, this was years ago. I'm in a service and I'm just like, Lord, this is my season. I'm ready for this. I'm ready to get up out the wilderness and promise and destiny and just la 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 la, all that stuff. And we're in the meeting and, you know, Jeremiah's preaching. I'm like, that word is for me, confirmation. And I respond to the altar call, and I'm up there. And uh, a guy who still goes here now, I don't know if I want to tell you his name because you won't believe me. Will Williams. He's in the back there. Check him out. But I was at the altar. I'm just ready for the releasing of God's will for my life. I'm ready to get out of this difficult season. Tired of dealing with all this, you know, Lord disciplining me. Will comes up behind me. Just can't believe it was Will. <laughs> Lord, you couldn't use anyone else besides Will in my life. <laughs> Will says this. He's like, I just hear the Lord saying, no, not yet. <laughs> and I was crushed. <laughs> I was ready to fight. Get your hand off me. Don't touch me. Don't touch the Lord's anointed. Yeah, I saw that was Will. I was like, oh, that can't be God. <laughs> Cannot be the Lord. But that was the Lord's discipline in my life. He was teaching me endurance, how to sit under him, how to remain in that place. And today I actually love Will. I think he's all right. You're all right, Will. But our response to the Father is that we endure however long he says. If you trust him, you'll endure. I know it's painful. But even, I've been, he, the Lord's been teaching me this. <clears throat> when you have to endure, don't focus on embracing the pain. Focus on embracing him. So we were searching for the pain. Where is it at? I mean, find it. Uh, and then you find it. You're like, okay, I'm just going to sit here. Just, oh, there it is. Uh, no, don't stay there too long. Embrace him. Don't embrace all the pain. Because the pain level, it varies. It comes and goes. But if you embrace him, he's steady. He's faithful. Verse 9. How else do we respond to the Father's discipline? Halfway through the verse, shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? I literally wrote this down in my notes, voluntary submission. In Jeremiah's dream, 
He, he, here's what it says. Inside were thousands of people who had come to have their hearts weighed. I found it intriguing that all those who came did it under voluntary circumstances. Voluntary. Just come before him. Ask him to search you. Ask him to know you. But here's the thing. If you don't trust him, you won't do it. This will expose all of our unbelief. It'll expose all of our orphan tendencies towards the Father. It'll expose what you really, really think about him. I know right now, praise God, I love Jesus. You're awesome. He's good. But how about through the week you come in and look at this again? And you'll see, oh, actually, you know what, God? Uh Uh-uh, I'm not going there. Here's something we, we say around here sometimes. Submission is not submission until you've been asked to do something you don't want to do. Submission is not submission until you've been asked to do something you don't want to do. You know, oh, I'm submitted to fathers. I'm submitted to spiritual fathers and mothers. They're... They can speak into my life, and then they tell you to do something you don't want to do, and we'll find out who's your real spiritual father or mother. So verse 9, it says, we should be much more readily be in subjection. You know what that looks like to me? It looks like we're in a race. Literally, if we're ready, I'm at the line. As soon as the whistle blows, I'm jumping. I'm ready to throw myself under the Father. I'm ready to give my heart, submit it all to him, everything. It means I release all control. That's what Piper was talking about in this this chapter here. We realize I'm not in control. How does that sit with me? This means I actually have to trust. I have to lean in to him. I have to give in to him. But here's the thing. So these responses to the Father's discipline, I, they are progressive. So our first response, he says, to don't despise it or be discouraged. The second thing is endure it. The third thing is to submit to it. Here's the fourth one. The fourth response to the Father's discipline is Proverbs 9. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. So we went from, God, I'm despising it. I'm discouraged to, okay, I'll endure for a little bit. And then we move to, okay, I'll submit to this. And then we move to, I love you. I actually love this whole process. I see what you're doing. I love you, God. That's the primary response he wants to get from us, that we actually love him back for his discipline. We actually love him for his correction. The Bible says fools hate correction. They hate instruction. They hate discipline. If you're a true son, you will love him more than ever when he comes and brings correction to your life. Now, I know that's kind of like, that can be kind of hard to grab hold of. Like, real discipline, he disciplines me and I love him. But this is the road to maturity I said my goal here this morning was to help us to be mature sons and daughters who embrace this. So if you want to be mature in Christ, you, will not, you won't despise it. You'll do more than endure it. You'll submit to it. You'll do more than submit to it. You will love it all.
As I mentioned before, if you're focused on pain, you have to shift your focus to him. Embrace him, not the pain. Let him deal with the pain. Number four, the fruit of the Father's discipline in our lives. Let's look at verse 9. We're going to look at verse 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Verse 9, shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father in spirits and live? There's number one, the fruit, life. Verse 10, for they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may part be partakers of his holiness. Number two, holiness. Verse 11, now no discipline seems to be joyful for the present, but painful nevertheless. Afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Number three, righteousness, the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And number four, Verses, verses 12 and 13, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame it may not be dislocated but rather healed. Strength and healing. I mean, this totally flips my paradigm on discipline. I thought discipline was like, okay, you suck. Here, here's your spanking. Figure it out. You're telling me God the Father in heaven, brings discipline to you and me to release life, to release holiness, to release righteousness, to release strength, and to release healing? I'm kind of like, I don't know about that. But once again, this is the Bible. This is what the Word says. Do you believe what the Word says about discipline, or do you believe your upbringing about discipline? Which reality are you going to step into? That's a personal decision. You get to decide that. But I would encourage you, if you want to have life in Christ, if you want to walk a holy lifestyle, you want to live righteously, you want strength for your body, you want healing, come under his discipline. Come under it. If I could have the worship team. I don't see my wife, but oh, there she is. Oh, she has a baby. <laughs> you can take him up there with you. The primary purpose of the Father's discipline in our lives is to produce Christ-like character and to conform us to the image of his Son. So when you, when you get lost in this, Sometimes we do. We get lost in, this. are you disciplining me? He, he's, the Lord's communicating, but I'm not hearing rightly. Our flesh gets in the way. Our friend just told us God would never do that because he loves you. But then you read the word, and you're, we kind of get lost in all this stuff. Stick to Hebrews 12 and think about what is his primary goal and purpose in your life. The Father wants to conform you to the image of his Son. He wants Christ-like character. He even wants Christ-like anointing in your life. You know, I, I'm all for character, I am. But I'm for anointing too. I do want both. 
So where are you at today? Or better yet, where will you be at by the end of this month? This is the month. You can grab hold of this word, that dream Jeremiah had or not. That's up to you. But I'm believing this month, starting today, September 1st, is a month of self-evaluation. It's so easy with this situation with Todd Bentley. We're just out there throwing stones at him. Here's my stance on that whole thing. This past Monday, the staff and I, we read through Jeremiah's response. We read the scriptures, what it says about discipline. And we just, I told our staff, let's just sit back. Let's just learn from this whole thing. There's no need to start posting on Facebook and starting wars. Can I just tell you something? No one really cares what you think about the situation. That's why I don't post anything. No one cares. No one's like, Brandon, hey, man, what do you tell me? I want to know. No one cares. But I will say you should be wise and learn from this. That's what I'm doing. Because I know trials, testings, temptations are coming my way. They're coming. So where are you at? Are you receiving his discipline? Are you embracing it? Are you accepting it? In what areas is the Father speaking to you and bringing discipline into your life? There's something. For some of us, it's just blatant sin. For some of us, it's, the, it's our heart posture. It's our heart attitude. We're judgmental. We're critical. I don't know. You fill in the blank. But there's something that he wants to get after. So could we all stand? I just want to make our altars available. Just want to give some room for us to encounter the Lord, to meet with Him, to hear what He has to say. I want to read Job 5 one more time. And if you feel you want to come to the altar, or even if you need to sit back down and, to, and listen to the Lord, I just want to give you room to do that. But Job 5, it says this, Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore, do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. For he bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands make whole. Father, would you come and have your way? Would you come, Lord, put your word on the inside of us? God, let us not get distracted about what you're doing in someone else around the room or what you're doing in our neighbor's life. Lord, you're doing something in our hearts right now. You're coming to bring correction. You're coming to cleanse. You're coming to create a pure heart within us. God, you desire truth in the inward parts. Would you come and do it? We're just going to take some time now. 
as the team plays. Whatever you got to do just to connect with the Lord and listen. To even be a watchman over your own life.